We're back, back before the Sooners head to Cincinnati in week four, back with Garen Emick before we head to Cincinnati for the Sooners week four trip to open Big 12 play and back for the eighth episode of the Letterman Jacket podcast. Garen, number eight on the Sooners roster right now. Dylan Gabriel, hot name, Jonah Lulu, uh, some names that might jog the memory, some former quarterbacks who wore number eight, Daryl Shepard, Garrick McGee, Nate Hibble, Cal mm. Ripken Jr., another number eight, Carl Yastrzemski, Troy Aikman. Any uh, number eights ring a bell for you? The holding center mid for Real Madrid. Mm. Uh, also a, a World Cup winner for the, uh, the the German national team. Tony Kroos is my favorite number eight. That's a fabulous number eight. That is where my mind went this morning when I was throwing these together is number eights. But they don't all wear number eight, you know? Some of the best number eights in the world uh, wear, wear different numbers. You know what? Yogi Berra, another number eight. And you know what he said, Garen? One of his finest quotes. Deja vu all over again. That's what this is. You're back. You're back on the pod. <laughs> Feels like I never left, Eli. It's good to be with you again. Well, I'm thrilled to have you back. We're both headed out to Cincinnati this weekend. Sooners are 3-0 after last week's win at Tulsa. Uh, things are going good. They were going this well this time last year. And I think that's kind of the, the overarching deal right now is, is, is what makes this team better and different. I'm writing about that. You'll see it at selloutcrowd.com. Uh, in the next couple of days, but that has been the, the topic of discussion and, and certainly the topic of discussion from the sound of it within the program mm -hmm. is what makes this team different and, and kind of the older guys letting the younger guys or the newcomers know that, you know, they were three and zero last year and, and then things fell off. But Garen, we're going to look into that stuff and, and we're going to talk about some of the overarching thoughts on the Sooners three games in. You had a column, it, it's uh, Wednesday recording that came out today about where the Sooners go from here, but what have you seen thus far in terms of the broader uh, points on this team that, that have stood out to you? Well, I'm convinced that there is at least one position group, not just player, but group <clears throat> that's an upgrade over last year, and that's wide receiver. And I wasn't sure I'd know that after three games because of Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss moving elsewhere. But I, and this is one of the things I wrote in the column, in fact, the, the lead was I, I really think that Gabriel, uh, Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy, the, the play caller, need to lean into the strength of the offense, which isn't just Gabriel being as, as efficient and as dynamic a quarterback as he ever has been up to this point, but that he's throwing to six or seven different guys who can make plays for you, at, at least through three games. And I think we're almost to the point, we'll see what happens at Cincinnati on Saturday, but I think we're almost to the point of assuming, uh, not assuming, but knowing that that group's going to hold up. If that group holds up, if Gabriel stays even close to the rhythm he's in right now, then you don't have to necessarily turn this into, you know, John Jenkins era for, for those who remember run and original run and shoot from uh, Andre Ware's Houston Cougar era of right of the late 1980s. It doesn't have to be that pronounced, doesn't have to be Mike Leach pronounced, but play to your strengths, right? And right now the strength of the offense is throwing the ball, not running it. And it's not just because of Gabriel, it's because of the guys he's targeting. It's it's kind of a surprise because I would have told you in August that the, the two groups I was really worried about were the running backs and the wide receivers. And had they done enough with either unit to really make you feel good about it, uh, particularly maybe before we saw what Dylan Gabriel was going to look like. And you can decide if that's um, you know due to, due to his own progress or due to the progress of this receivers group, probably a bit of column A, column B. But I would have told you 
a month ago that I thought the running backs were the more sure thing. Mm-hmm. I think we felt like we would have known what we had in uh, in Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes. And, uh, you know, Tywee Walker might have been the surprise as one of the better looking backs early on. But I, I would have been more confident there than about the receivers. But mm-hmm. you're right. You run through that group that lost Theo Weiss, that lost Marvin Mims, and really was lacking a whole lot of production coming back. And now you look at it and say, I think we can feel pretty confident about Jaleel Farouk. I thought that was a huge performance for him kind of his, his coming out party for the season at Tulsa Drake Stoops has looked better every year at OU. And this is no exception. He's, he's been targeted more in the red zone, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Andrew Anthony was a guy we had right, rightful skepticism with because he had not produced a whole lot at Michigan. Turns out all he needed to do was get into an offense that didn't huddle and threw the ball downfield. Look at that. Uh, and, and so on from there, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, you say six, seven guys, that's deeper than they were last year in, in with a unit that we all would have said if you put them on paper was maybe more talented. Uh, but three weeks in here, you're exactly right. Whether it's it's Dylan Gabriel, you know, taking a jump to make these guys better or the fact that it's a good combination of quarterback and, and clearly a, a productive receiving core, that is far and away been the best part of their offense to this point. I think you're right. They've got to lean into it. Levy's best offenses have thrown the ball deep and thrown it often. They seem to have what they need to do that. And so that 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 probably maybe next to the defense and Danny Stutzman has to be the most encouraging thing uh, if you're an OU fan through three games. Yeah, I the flip side to that is Eli. I I don't yet really know what OU has at the line of scrimmage, really on both sides of the ball. And I I said at the at the jump this this season, the intro column to oh you, you'll keep what, what are you looking for? Well, to me, not just for this season but next and what what lies ahead in the SEC. You've got to see more movement on both sides of the line of scrimmage if, if you're Brent Venables. I'm not sure it's there. I, I maybe it is, right? Well, if they get if they rush for 250 to 300 yards on Cincinnati, I'm going to believe that maybe it is there. If if they're able to wall off uh, Cincinnati's run game and if they're able to rush Emory Jones and, and contain him more with the line than with the guys behind the line, I'll be more of a believer in the line of scrimmage. But because I'm not there yet. Yeah, I, I think that uh, if I'm wanting to score at Nippert Stadium this week and I'm throwing the ball, I, I just am. I know that Venable said yesterday that this is going to be a line of scrimmage game. I get why he says it, because this is the best challenge OU will have had at the line of scrimmage. Best chance to sort of you know prove their manhood, for lack of a better way of putting it. I just don't know how well they'll come off doing that. And so throw the ball. And then on defense, uh, if, if you're still leaning on Gabriel, airing it out on offense, why not lean into the best the best uh, link to uh, to your defensive chain, and that's clearly Danny Stutzman uh, and and the guys around him. Let him be the focal point, and then let uh, and let other guys around Stutzman, whether it's Canick or McCullough, assuming he is really kind of come back this weekend. Let them be uh, guys who can harass, get in the backfield, and get after quarterbacks like Emory Jones. Because I don't know if it's going to happen just with a four man rush. Returning just to, to the run game and the line play, Garen, I'll buy you dinner in Cincinnati Saturday night if OU rushes for 250, 300 yards uh, against Cincinnati. That would be that would blow out everything we've seen, right, these first three weeks. Yeah. I don't think that means that this running game can't get going or that it won't. I still probably side with you just based on what we've seen. The passing game is is the way. like That's mm-hmm. what they've got to lean into. But, you know, the, the offensive line, I we, we heard some – after the SMU game, it was all about – We've got to be better this week and and getting more push and you know their goal the stated goal of this offensive line is five yards a carry they're not getting there right now it's four point three a game 
and that might be about a, a running back room that hasn't quite gotten going and and even these games maybe didn't lend themselves to to the running backs really finding a rhythm but I, I think it's an offensive line too that's protected Dylan Gabriel really well mm-hmm. uh, one sack to this point but they're not getting that push you referenced that talking about the SEC they're not getting the push you'd want and and I think that's a place to look I, I do think an experienced unit coached by Bill Biedenboe. Let's talk about them in November and see where they're at. They might be in a very different place. Right. They've got to sort out the the guard spot with Savion Bird and Troy Everett. Just seems, you know, SMU was a benching for Savion Bird that brought the App State transfer in. Last week, it was uh, an injury seemingly to Savion Bird. Uh, Brent Venables, he was kind of in that group of, of players, Savion, who Brent said would be, he was hopeful, could be back this week. We'll see against Tulsa. They also rotated guys in Caden Green, the freshman, who I think we'll see a lot in the next few years, maybe more this fall, stepped in at guard, too. So they, they've got figuring out to do there. They've got figuring out to do in the backfield. Um, but I, I think the run game is is probably on offense, certainly where the, the biggest question mark is right now through three games. But you move to that defense and you mentioned Danny Stutzman. You mentioned a, a front four that I think hasn't produced a whole lot of push and and certainly uh, on the stat sheet isn't impressing necessarily but i think they've been good i think they've stopped the run you know we, we've seen the number two and a half yards per carry or 2.3 yards per carry down from four and a half last fall take it with a grain of salt tulsa and arkansas state were two of the teams they played but that is encouraging that is what they need to be doing and, and maybe it is the case that this is going to be an unspectacular you know front unit but if behind them danny stutzman desan mccullough jaron canick and a secondary that's made plays so far if they're doing their job they're not going to need – there will be days where they could use that push and, and get into the backfield. But if the unit behind that that mm-hmm. front four is making plays, that's going to go a long way to, to making a difference. And it has so far. This There's no doubt that this defense looks better and different through three games, even if the results have been the same. You know, It, it does feel a lot like last year. But you dive into the numbers, you, you talk to the players, you talk to coaches, hear what they've seen. It feels different on defense this fall, and that, that's huge. Yeah, I if you know, I, I'm just I'm thinking. Well, if I'm an OU fan, and going back to your statement a bit ago about you know how do, how does this feel different three and O versus last year three and O and non conference coming out of Nebraska when everyone was was really hyping this team and and Venable's transition, I would put just as much stock in, in you know the two most important coaches on the staff as any two most important players as important as Gabriel and Stutzman are and as encouraging as their effort and their level of play has been. Don't you longer term want to feel better about where Venables is as a coach, as a head coach in year two, and about where Levy, Jeff Levy, is reuniting in year two with Gabriel and figuring out the pieces around him on offense? And to me, if if, you, if there's I wouldn't say, um, you know, if, if you have doubt coming out of a season like six and seven a year ago and a three and six showing in, in, in the conference, if you're Venables and Levy, wouldn't you just by by nature, lean into things that you you've always known you could do. And it's, it's sort of an open to throttle mentality, Levy throwing the ball, especially with a guy that he's comfortable with and familiar with like Gabriel. And for Venables, that means going after the quarterback, right? I mean, creating pressure before the quarterback can create against, you know, for, for your defense. And that's his best games in his best years, both at Clemson, and then at OU, his first go with with the Stoops brothers, were, were when you could say, "Boy, wasn't Venables bold? Didn't Venables have a blitz package or a scheme that the opposing play caller didn't see coming, 
wasn't he able to win that chess match with a lot of different pieces, not just his pass rush up front, but linebackers, corners, safeties, whoever he wanted to, to get involved in the package. That's where, if, and, if, and if Venables is telling us, as he did at the start of the season, I'm going to be more involved in the defense, well, then it stands to reason that means it's, it's going to look different, that defense, and there's going to be more havoc and more pressure and more people coming from different angles. And so I, I'm not saying, oh, he doesn't have a pass rush with the front four. I'm not saying that they're showing me nothing through three non-conference wins. What I'm saying is it because of the, the guys behind that four and because especially of a, of a fulcrum as effective as Danny Stutzman, if you're Venables, why, why wouldn't you lean into what you know is successful and has been successful your first, uh, you know, 20 years on at, at OU and Clemson. So that's, that's why I think uh, it's not so much an indictment on anyone or anything. It's, it's a, it's a it's a team leaning into its strength, and that's why I think that they're they're going to send a lot more than four at Emory Jones starting this weekend. I think you're right. I noticed you left Ted Roof's name out of that entire uh, entire discussion about the defense. I know I should know who that is. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> call the plays. He's calling the plays. Um. Brent Venables needs to lean into what he knows best as a defensive coach. How about that? I, I'm going to just, again, not take it a shot at anyone, Eli. I'm just, tell, as, as our friend Barry Trammell would say, I'm just telling it straight. Hey, it's fair. Not, you know, you mentioned kind of the guys who could, who could be part of a bolder game plan, right, or leaning into that strength. We've seen a, a handful of snaps through three games of Desan McCullough, right? Mm-hmm. And he was the guy who came in as, as seeming right. like that perfect fit for that cheetah role and a guy who has pass rushing experience that to me, if you're not getting what you want, and I think we'll see it from Rondell Bothroyd and trace Ford uh, and Ethan downs and so on. But if you're not getting what you need up front from, you know, from if you're going to line up with four rush, uh, you know, two defensive tackles and two ends Desan McCullough is a guy who can, who can be disguised, who can drop into coverage, mm-hmm. but can also go make a play and get into that backfield. He's going to be back this weekend. They haven't seen much of him. Justin Harrington, didn't sound all that encouraging what Brent Venables had to say about him right. uh, yesterday in his press conference said something along the lines of exploring options. That never sounds great when you're talking about a knee. We're going to find out uh, in the weeks ahead where he's at. To me, that's we, we talk about individual playmakers in a defense like this and in the way you just outlined it. I look at Danny Stutzman. I look at Jaron Canick and I look at Desan McCullough as guys that Brent Venables, if we're if he's calling these shots, and and turning this defense into a defense that looks a whole lot more like one of his than it than it was a year ago. I look to those guys and I look to Desan McCullough getting back this weekend. I think he's big against a running quarterback and, and I think he's gonna be important even more so if Justin Harrington is, is out for any kind of extended period of time. So I think this defense is it's early, but on its way to looking more venables like and I think they have the guys they'd like, whether it's at linebacker in the secondary with the way Woody Washington is playing with the way Key Lawrence is playing. Peyton Bowen looking nothing like a guy three games into his college career. They've got more guys. And I think if you ask Brent Venables about what's different this year, it starts with having, he wouldn't put it this way, but just more dudes, more guys, mm-hmm. guys they can rely on to make plays. And, and I think that's going to be one of the keys if this defense does hold up over 12 games uh, to, to making that happen. Well, to put everything back on the most important people in this discussion, that's that's you and me. I just hope that if Harrington is out for a prolonged period of time, he's still available for interviews. He's one of the finest they've got 
in interviews. And I can, I'll say this just as a quick side note, uh, in the backdrop of what was unfolding in California yesterday with, uh, USC banning a reporter for two weeks, we finished up our second straight day where we got eight player interviews post-practice 16, uh, for the week. And, uh, got to give credit to Mike Houck and the communication staff at OU and Brent Venables as well for making so many guys available. And, and, you know, it's been a, a nice group to cover so far. Justin Harrington would be in that race, I think, for media cooperation. Good guy of the year award, right? He's been one of your favorite interviews. Walter Rouse in that group as well. Jaden Gibson mm-hmm. uh, knows how to captivate an audience. But yes, you're, you're exactly right. Justin Harrington, if he's not playing, maybe more time. Maybe he comes up in the press box and like hangs out during a game. What do you think? <laughs> Be Get him on the pod. Letterman Jacket podcast. Come on. Yeah, that would be a story. Harrington or Herring Tout? Huh? <laughs> what do we think? I could see it. Uh, he's got a career in talking if he wants it. I, that's just what I would say. Justin Harrington. And he's not the only one, to your point, on the team. It is, it, is a, it is a bunch of guys who feel comfortable having conversations with reporters. That's a great thing. You, you don't want to just have Q&As with these guys. You want to build enough trust that you can have conversations. And if you can get to that point, and sometimes it takes a couple of years, human nature dictates that, right? Uh, and then other times you just get lucky and you just get a bunch of really good talkers together on the same team who uh, put the helmet down, both, you know, cross their arms and just take a seat next to you. When you get that, that's the good stuff. And I think, uh, I think OU's got that. So. Indeed it is. All right, Garen, looking toward Cincinnati week four, mm-hmm. we fly out real early. We're going to get to hang out before 6 a.m. in an airport together. I can't wait. Are you as going to be as chipper as I'll be at that hour? No. You're going to have a neck pillow around your the neck? And, I didn't and, say and, that. I didn't say I was going to do that. Um, but uh, I let's just put it this way. On the uh, Tulsa to – are you flying out of Tulsa? Are you joining me on no, the flight? No, no, no. We, we meet up in Dallas. We, we okay. both get on early flights, and then we connect in Dallas together. I was going to say, I will be – I will be uh, – out from Tulsa to Dallas. I, if I get to sit next to you or Barry on the flight from Dallas, is it just you and me or is, or is Barry? In, in no, it's just you and me. Barry's going through Chicago. He's going through Midway. Okay. Well then we will make sure that we sit together, even if it means having to pay somebody to move <laughs> seats and then we'll play like rock, paper, scissors for two hours to entertain ourselves. It sounds fabulous. I'm envisioning that Dallas. That's not a game. Yeah, of course. No, Come on. You have no Come idea on what now. Come on now. No, I'm envisioning in Dallas. You're, you're running from one end. I'm running to the other. And it's going to be some kind of reunion deal uh, in the middle of uh, <laughs> the airport in Dallas. Uh, so love actually. Are you talking about like love actually going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope you've been studying the tape because that's what we're going to be doing before any of the coffee shops are open or anything. You and me just running like that. Totally well, comfortable with embracing a colleague in front of a bunch of strangers in Cincinnati International Airport or Northern Kentucky International Airport, whatever they're calling it these days. I can't wait. Well, Cincinnati, they could have held up their end of the bargain and made this 3-0 and against 3-0 and and something really exciting. It's still going to be exciting, but they lost last week in overtime to Miami of Ohio. Brett Gabbert, brother of Blaine, uh, helps break a 16-game winning streak for Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. They've lost only twice there since 20, November 2017, Garen. Do you know who the other team to beat Cincinnati in that span was and at, at, at home? It wasn't TU, was it? Was it wasn't Tulsa? No, it was another they, T school. They came close. Mm-hmm. They came damn close at least once. Another T school? 
Tulane? Mm-mm. You're getting hotter. Tarleton State? Not quite. Think Matt Rule. Temple beat Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium? I don't remember. At that Nippert Stadium that. the first year after Matt Rule left, so probably a lot of his guys still. Interesting. But it was, uh, I think Jeff Collins was was running the show then. Okay. And uh, so point is, and, and Brent Venables pointed this out, not an easy place to go play. Power fives have gone there and struggled, and now Cincinnati is a power five, and that's an element too, that this weekend is going to be the first Big 12 game at Nippert Stadium, one of the oldest uh, college football venues in the country. It's going to be an environment. Uh, it's, it's their first real road test for the Sooners, and I think really their first significant test of the season. SMU was the closest we got in non-conference play, but this is going on the road to a conference opponent, a team that can move the ball on offense and, and has some playmakers on defense. It'll be the first chance we really get, I think, to to see these Sooners challenged um, for four quarters. And I, I think we'll learn something. I, I think we're all looking at Texas as the week that, you know, if OU takes care of business these next two, that's when we'll really know the level. But to me, it, it, it starts here because they, uh, as, as last year was evidence, they, they've kind of earned nothing in terms of benefit of the doubt, uh, at least to this point. Yeah, this feels dicey, I think. It feels like, this feels like one of those tight fit games. I haven't, I'm probably picking the Sooners to win. I'm not picking. It's was it 14? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, picking, oh, I'm you're not, getting ahead to Garen Gare out, but but you're I'm right. So, 14. I'm 14. sorry. I, I forget. You've you've got some goodies to pop on everyone later. I I get to no. I get the feeling this game's dangerous, and it's not just because uh, you know Venables again called at the line of scrimmage game and mentioned the danger with with uh, especially what the Bearcats bring in terms of their defensive front. Uh, it's not just the fact that it really is their first road game of the year. Stadium was more red than blue. I knit it to you last week. Um, so I, yeah, I, if OU plays well, they'll be fine. I, but fine in this case to me means just, you know, win. It, it, this, it, I, outside of the Iowa State game, depending upon how the Cyclones play against OSU Saturday, uh, there are no more layups. Uh, this conference isn't, I don't think is deep as we thought it was that doesn't mean though it's not going to be chaotic i think there's some chaos coming in this league and it could strike the sooners as, as early as saturday i really believe that well here's the thing if you wanted a test especially for that you know front seven here you go because emory jones is going to present a whole lot more problems than cardell williams did last weekend in, in his action and he gave the sooners trouble as a mo mobile quarterback three straight scoring drives after he came into the game Emory Jones has, has done this a long time. I mean, there's a reason he's at his third school and in his sixth year, but um, he's going to, he can throw the ball. He can use his feet. This is a guy uh, the Sooners would have seen in that cotton bowl. What year was that Garen? Florida um, a few years back. Woody Washington was talking about it at practice last night. That was, was that the pandemic cotton? Bowl? I think that I think is was, correct. It? Yeah. 20, it was a 20 season. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. if the, I don't even remember if the game was 2020 or 2021. Point is, they've seen him yeah. before, and they know what he can do. Yes. And then you're—he's part of an of a Cincinnati running game that's at 239 yards a game, eighth in the country. So they're going to get tested yeah. there, both on I think the discipline in terms of the added dimension that that Emory Jones has as a runner. But then you know, just that's to me where the line of scrimmage battle is. I, I don't know how good, um, th even for the star players they've got this mm -hmm. the Cincinnati defensive line is. But the offensive line clearly is playing a part in moving the ball. And that's where we're going to see, you know, if this 2.3 yards per carry uh, average that the OU defense is carrying against the run mm -hmm. is going to hold up or if that was just because they played Tulsa and 
uh, Arkansas State and an SMU team that likes to throw the ball. We're going to find out, I think, a lot more about the that front unit and really the size. They made such a big deal, right, about adding everyone they did. DJ Terry, uh, Jacob Lacey. They've got Isaiah Code. Jonah Lulu's in there. We're going to see how that stands up. They've got the size, but the size doesn't do much for you if it's going to get pushed around. So we're going to learn something there. And I, I think you're exactly right that, that going into an environment like this is going to be different. This isn't a layup by any stretch. Um, and there won't be any, if many more. Uh, and, and so I think we're going to learn a good deal about both this defense, but then, you know, can, can the offense come in and do it? You've talked about previously, Dylan Gabriel has kind of a habit in an OU uniform of big game one week, regression the next. If we're going to talk about the jump he's made or even early, early, early whispers about could he be in New York in December? He's got to sort that out. That's the first and foremost thing. And that might be as much on Dylan Gabriel as it is Jeff, uh, Jeff Levy mm-hmm. and, and scheming this right. And maybe if they follow your advice, it's keeping the ball in the air and not kind of going away from what's working. Cause that's what they need to do. And, and they really can't afford to do anything else. I, I think it was in a different context, but when Brent Venable said a few weeks ago about Jackson Arnold, you know, we can't afford to do anything other than, be 100% and put our best stuff forward. They can't afford to go to Cincinnati and try to sort out the run game this week. If it's not sorted out mm-hmm. and try to be a balanced offense, they've got to do what they need to do to win games. And I think they may be, you know, they were obviously trying to win games a year ago, but uh, based on the way they operated it, it felt like they ran against some of their best stuff. They've got to stick with it this week. I think on offense, that's got to do with the passing game. Like you've said, uh, and on defense, it's, it's showing us that this run D is, is really real. Mm-hmm. One more word of warning just about the Bearcats. I think a lot of OU fans got roped into a false sense of security over the final score of that Miami of Ohio game last week. You lose to Miami of Ohio on your home field as Cincinnati did, which you've already referenced automatically people sort of thought, oh, okay, well then the Bearcats just aren't what we thought, you know, what they thought they could be, or that they could, they, there's not a lot of danger in that game. You got to dig into the numbers and realize since he had over 500 yards of offense, they just couldn't finish in the, in the red zone. That was correctly landed on by head coach Scott Satterfield in his post-game press conference. That's why we lost. We didn't lose because we were necessarily inferior to Miami of Ohio on you know, Mac team. We lost because we, we hurt ourselves in terms of finishing drives and chances. And so uh, it's not to say they're going to suddenly finish those drives against Oklahoma Saturday. Tells me though, that the capability is there to, 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 to mount drives, right? To put themselves in position to be a real problem. It's just a matter of what they do about it and what obviously what the Sooners do about it when it went up against it. But there will be some up against it Saturday is what I'm saying. You're right. And that offense has put up points. They've, they've well put up yardage, not so many points last week, but they've, they've moved the ball well. And, and then on defense, I, I'm still a little skeptical about the defensive line, but in the middle of it, they've got two guys, Dante Corleone, nicknamed the godfather fabulous uh and Juwan briggs from uh, the virginia transfer they have two big dudes up the middle inside mm-hmm. there and if we're talking about an offensive line sorting things out at guard and with whether it's savion bird or troy everett who gets the start um that's going to be a test particularly for those inside guys but really for the whole line and we know yes. they've got do this well i see yes. it i see it uh it's a, for right, those on the audio Gabriel. medium, Garen is, is miming the, the throwing of the football. I, I, I'm shorting Gabriel by using my right hand. It's a right arm. It's, it would be this, mm. right? Come out doing this. You've got, that's a nice lefty motion you got there. You don't think I played quarterback at Booker T once upon a time? 
Did you know? No, I did not. <laughs> Maybe on the recess field. <laughs> anyway, you're, I didn't mean to throw you off. Your point being. No, it, it, you're, but it stands. There you go. It's the late. How many times do we have to say it over and over? They've got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see if they'll come out and do it or if they're going to try to force the run game down the throat. And again, that returns to just the point. I couldn't pinpoint a game last year necessarily. Well, I could pinpoint a few, but where you know they seem to just be insistent on doing something that wasn't working. All right, I'll give you one bedlam uh, when the they, <laughs> kept, they were up big and then they just kept doing those ninety second yeah. drives yeah. while the Cowboys hung around. But anyway, point is, this is not the the season or the weekend for them to say we're going to try to get one of these four running backs going if it's not working. I want to see Andrew Anthony downfield. I want to see Jaleel Farouk. Uh, who I really at times last year felt like was the best guy they had at, at receiver, even on a team with Marvin Mims. I want to see more of him because last weekend was exactly what they thought they had in him as the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Let's see it in a game that matters and, and see them throw the ball. And if Dylan Gabriel's as good as he's looked and as far along and further ahead from a year ago as, as Jeff Lebby will tell you he is, let's show a little faith. Let's see it because I think that's where they've got to be. But speaking of guys who are important to this team and have made a jump, Garen, it's already come up, but Danny Stutzman, who led the Big 12 in tackles a year ago, was sort of the, the guy in a defense that supremely struggled last fall. Looks like he's, he's taken another jump and really feels like the dude in this defense. I, I think I used the term connective tissue in a story last week. He's, that's he's been everything that's promised. That's, that's really smart, by the way. How'd you, who'd you seal that from? Uh, that was one of my few original thoughts of the week. I only have so many. <laughs> That's accurate. He is a connective tissue. He's, he, I, I wrote the column that it's not, I mean, I didn't realize he'd done it until I saw the replay, but it wasn't just the pick six. A lot of times everyone gets excited about linebacker scores touchdown, does something fun to celebrate, and then you forget about sort of the, the point A to point B of a play. His interception it wasn't just the instinct to be in the right place at the right time, but that was not an easy pull, right? He has to reach out with, was it his left hand? He reached out and, and grabbed mm-hmm. that, 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 that's sort of uh that's preparation meets opportunity meets instinct meets ability. And it's one play and it's a, it's a long season. And uh, obviously it had been flowed for this, this defense a year ago, but if, if, what I've seen on all of those elements of Danny Stutzman is any indication at this point. Sooners have a star in the middle of their defense. And it I, I know that Venables talks about it starts up the middle, it starts up front. Sometimes it doesn't have to start up front as long as it starts, you know, somewhere near the the, the middle of a, of a defense. I'll take yeah. what I can get if I'm Venables after last year. And I think he knows what he has in Stutzman. And that is a big sign of comfort moving forward. Big point, too, for Danny Stutzman. Last year at Iowa State, he got chased down on the pick six, or a would-be pick six, and I don't think he heard the end of it from the rest <laughs> of the guys on that defense. So him just getting into the end zone, he moved fast. He That was, I would say, uh, you can tell me if I'm missing anything. That's got to be the defensive play of the season for OU to this point, start to finish. And it was kind of the latest in a, a string of plays he's made and just strong performances of a guy who looked good last year I and mean, led the big 12. He's on pace again to lead the big 12 in tackles right now. If he kept it up, he'd be at 120. Uh, he's third in TFL in the conference. Uh, if you really want to get into it with like pro football focus numbers, 
His miss rate on tackles is down from 14.9 to 9.4. And You should get into it. For, for a guy in that position, that's a yep. very important number, Eli. I'm glad that you dug that up. You want to hear another important number? He's Well, he is leading the team, or he's second most snaps. But last year, he led the program with like 955 snaps. It was him, Deshaun White, David Aguigbu, the linebackers who had to play constantly, never came off the field. He's not on pace for a number like that this time, and that's because they have other guys mm-hmm. to kind of spell him. And here's that word again, competitive depth. That's where that matters. I mean, it helps when there's injuries. It helps uh, in other places. But when you can take a guy like Danny Stutzman off the field, even if you don't want to, or if you're an OU fan, you're wondering why you know Kip Lewis is in there and Danny Stutzman might be on the, the bench for a series or a couple of plays. If you want Danny Stutzman to look like he has these three weeks in November, that's how you do that. And so I, I think... It's all there, largely on Danny and this defense for him to have an even better year, but also there in terms of the depth and the ability to to rest him for this to be sustainable. And if it is, you know, we say the connective tissue, if he's the heart of this defense mm-hmm. and he's doing this from now till the early part of December and into bowl season, that bodes really well for, for where this defense is going to go, where this Brent Venables team is going to go in year two. Um, and, and that's all huge. They need Danny Stutzman to keep playing this way. Mm-hmm. He keeps playing this way. You're going to be in. Or they still do that award show in Orlando. Which one is that? The uh, where the where they have everything but the Heisman. Mm, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one. I was going to say you're you're going to have a trip to Orlando. Place. Well, I mean, all the Heisman talk. Eric Bailey and I were talking about New York uh, yesterday. That might be lofty. We might be a little bit of a ways away from there, but uh, I think Danny Stutzman's on his way. If he keeps playing like this, every award they can go to a defender he'll be up for by the end of this year. Garen, we are going to close with another game of Garen or Gare out. Does that sound good to you? Pre-Cincinnati, we're, we're going we're gonna to finish here? I'm in lightning round. Let's do it. All right. I ran through some Cincinnati celebs with Todd Lizenby the other day, so you're kind of getting the B list, unfortunately. Like we've already run through Clooney and Pete Rose uh, and President William Howard Taft. You're getting kind of the B team. Maybe that's a theme here on this pod now, but we're going to start. Cat Williams. He's not B team, but Cat Williams, how do you feel about him? Gary in or Gary out? I have to have heard of him, so I guess I'll say. Oh, come on. I, I can't Gary in someone I don't oh, know anything God. about. Well, <laughs> that's a prodigious start. Nick Lachey, Gary in or Gary out? Is, a, is that a player or a singer? Oh, man, that was Jessica Simpson's husband. This is a really poor start. All right, I'll go Ken Griffey Jr. Gary, you know him? Do you know him? Well, Gary, in to try to rally. Uh, Jerry Springer, another proud Cincinnatian. I can't believe you're asking me that. Gary, in or Gary out? Gary out as emphatically as I'm Gary in over Jr. Wow. This has been a terrible start, but we're going to keep it moving. And man, this really goes into what we talked about. Uh, Sooners have a 100 yard rusher against Cincinnati. Gary, in or Gary out? That's a Gary out. Levy's done done something wrong, if that's even a question. All right. Sooners to keep Cincy below 200 rushing yards. Garen. Okay. So you think they hold up there? Mm -hmm. All right. Dylan Gabriel, 325 yards plus. Can he do it for a second straight week? Again, you're the one who, the first, I think, to point out sort of the inconsistency with him. You think he can do it this week? Garen. Sooners 14 point favorites at Cincinnati. Gare in or Gare out on that? Mm, 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 mm. You don't like to cover. No. No's out. not an answer. Out, out, Gare out. out. Yep. 
Uh, Oregon, a 21 point favorite hosting Colorado this weekend. Oh, we're going outside the, uh, the, uh, the, the sooner nation. Um, yeah, that's Gare out. That seemed 21. 21 is a big number. Yeah, that seems big. Gare out. Alabama, seven point favorite with Ole Miss. Hmm. Gare in, but unconvincingly. All right. And then one, one for your dad, Ohio state <laughs> three point favorite with Notre Dame for dad. I will say Garen, but for me, probably go the other direction. And then last but not least skyline Chile. Maybe we'll be able to answer this one better after the weekend. You gear in or you gear out. Well, that's a better, that's a better question for Joe Castiglione who I worry, who I worried would have uh, a lot of uh, people coming after him from Cincinnati after his appearance on the, on my show mind games uh, two weeks ago when he, <laughs> Cut right to the chase about the uh, the chili at Skyline. Um, for lunch, gear in. For dinner, gear way out. All right, I can live with that. And it was shocker that for the for the AD who has a favorite Italian spot in every city, Big Twelve city, there is. Well, he has an Italian spot. Well, he's, he's and just... that he'd have an issue with chili on spaghetti is no shocker. Uh... I'd much rather eat bolognese with Joe. I'll let, I don't want to give. Skyline. I don't want to blow his cover. I'll let you ask Joe what he thinks of Skyline Chili. All right, I'll do that. That'll be if I get the chance, and I, I have the opportunity to be in front of him. As we've said before, you know, one of the top administrators in the country. That'll be my first question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the the chili in Cincinnati? Well, Garen, we'll be there. We'll get to try it for better or worse. Maybe there. I think there's a content opportunity here. I think we can. Uh, but we're gonna get out of here. Pre-Cincinnati, we'll be there. We'll be back afterward. You'll see our coverage in between. But as always, you can find Letterman Jacket, Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Google, everywhere you get your podcast. SelloutCrowd.com, that's a good place for podcasts. It's a good place to consume all your sports content in the state of Oklahoma because we're covering everything. We'll have great coverage throughout the week, into next week, and everywhere beyond there. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another episode after the Sooners head to Cincinnati. 